You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 87. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. On today's show, I am chatting with Michelle Leung, who is a children's artist located in Singapore. She was not always a children's artist, though, and that's why I'm talking with her today. So she started her professional career as an accountant and spent some time in the restaurant industry. She traveled a bit. She overcame physical ailments and started a family before coming to the realization that she could actually paint. In the interview, we talk a lot about how Michelle overcame both internal and external resistance as she embarked on her journey to becoming an artist. Michelle also talks through the research she did as she was refining her style as an artist, why her years as an accountant have made her a better business person, and why she remains open to career shifts as she continues her current path. Michelle is wonderful and was kind enough to work through a 15-hour time difference between California and Singapore to do this interview, so I really hope you all enjoy the episode. Let's get to Michelle. Okay, Michelle, I'm so glad you're here with me, and you are a children's artist, but that definitely was not your first career. So will you tell us a little bit about the career shifts you've gone through over the years? Right. Where do I start? So um, I basically grew up, um, I, I grew up in Malaysia, first of all, um, and I grew up in a household that's um, all about math and science. Art is strongly discouraged in my household. Um, I went to university in England and did a degree in um, something called Morse, which is like, you know, more, think Morse code, M-O-R-S-E, but it actually stands for Mathematics, Operational Research, Statistics, and Economics. It's quite a mouthful. Um, and then I gra- when I graduated in t- year 2000, I joined KPMG, which is an accounting firm in London, uh, and trained to be an auditor um, and chartered accountant, which is the CPA equivalent in the U.S., I was doing audits um, from year 2000 to 2004, and by the end of 2004, I got a bit bored in London and asked my bosses if I could go somewhere else for six months um, during the audit season. So they said, yeah, sure, you can go to New York or Zurich in Switzerland. I thought, oh, New York, um, I can go anytime. Zurich, Switzerland, mm, what's that place? I don't, I don't know anyone there. I don't know anything about it. All right, let's go there. So um, that was how I ended up in Switzerland in year 2004, October. And six months very quickly became five years. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit crazy. And I went from audit. um, I did six months of audit in in Switzerland. um, But then I changed over to um, what we called advisory or, in other words, uh, management consulting. And I, um, that was how I started my consulting career and I ran really huge global projects all across, I don't know, um, I went to Germany, I was in New York, London, Korea, and then I ended up in um, um, many parts of the world uh, doing projects in all sorts of different um, uh, different departments or yeah, uh, global uh, banking, insurance, financial projects, basically. My last job with, um, or last career with KPMG was, 
at the end of 2009 was in technical accounting. So I was basically a technical IFRS accountant giving technical accounting advice to banks on how to, I don't know, hedge their balance sheets. Um, and at that point, I got really miserable and I was really um, uh, starting to get really itchy just to kind of do something else after being about close to nine and a half years with KPMG. So I decided to quit my job and took up a job at a local restaurant down the road from me in Zurich um, because I thought it was a fun idea and it's always been my dream to run my own restaurant. I've never ever worked in a restaurant before um, and uh, I was chatting to the boss and he said, oh, you know, you, you can join us if you want. So I said, yeah, that sounds cool. So I uh, joined Tiffin's, which is a Malaysian and Thai restaurant. They have a sister restaurant. So I was, um, so I was the assistant restaurant manager um, for both the restaurants. So um, I did that and I, I, create, I ended up creating their dessert menu. I ran their catering business. And that was really fun, but it was really hard. Um, did that for about five months. Then my fiance at that time lost his job. So we decided to speed up the wedding and decided to get married at the end of December, to, uh, yeah, in December 2009 and go on a six months honeymoon around Southeast Asia. Which sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Like it seemed almost crazy at that time. Like, what, what are we doing? Six months honeymoon traveling, being so irresponsible. But, um, the other thing we decided on Southeast Asia was always because uh, was because it was always my dream to um, work in Asia at some point in my life because you know I grew up in Asia but I've worked all my life in Europe or the Western world. So I said to Pascal then it's like you know why don't we go and travel around for six months? Um, he just started learning Mandarin. Why don't we go to China for five weeks so you can practice your Mandarin and we can, you know, um, just explore the culture a little bit more and then um, get a job in Hong Kong. That was our dream and settle there for a while. So we said, and he said, yeah, let's do that. So that's what we did. But we didn't end up in Hong Kong. We ended up in Singapore. Um, and I joined Ernst & Young's in Singapore, got back into consulting, traveled up and down between Singapore and Hong Kong because I got a big project in Hong Kong, um, decided I didn't like that consulting life in, I didn't like consulting life in Asia for various reasons. So, uh, and then I got a job offer from Credit Suisse, which is a big investment bank, a Swiss investment bank, but in Singapore. Um, so I joined Credit Suisse in January, 2011. And one year later, I got made redundant and I was too... I was 12 weeks pregnant. No, no. Yeah, about there. So about two and a half months pregnant. And I got a phone call and I went to HR and HR said, oh, well, here's your letter. Really sorry. You've got to leave today. Today? Was, yeah, day. today. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had 15 minutes to go back to my desk, collect my belongings, my handbag, and that was it. And see you later. Wow. That's pretty devastating. <laughs> I, I think I didn't realize like the extent of that um at that time I, was, I just thought oh oh all right then that's all right um you know I'll just go and get another job because I'm a chartered accountant that should be fine I've got lots of experience it shouldn't be difficult but it was uh, I chose to be very transparent um with my job interviews my subsequent job interviews and I made and I asked all the headhunters to tell the banks up front before the interviews that I'm pregnant you know uh, 10 weeks uh, 12 weeks pregnant um but I still got to the in through the interviews and we always got to the end but I always say um by the way I'm not sure if you know this but I'm actually pregnant 
And, you know, the reaction that I got at that time was always like, oh, 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 really? Oh, okay, maybe we need to um, mm, revisit this later. And, and that was when I actually started realizing the, the, the extent of what it actually meant of being made redundant. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's just, in the States, that's pretty illegal. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's illegal in Switzerland as well. And this was a Swiss bank. So mm. so a, quite a few friends were really outraged by that. Yeah, and then, you know, first of all, how can they make you redundant when you're pregnant? But the thing is, the bank didn't know. So I told my boss, but my boss forgot to tell his boss. Mm. So mm. when HR gave me the letter and they said, oh, you know, you're entitled to the, these medical benefits for the next three months, I, I, I then just innocently asked like, oh, you know, does this cover my prenatal checks? And they were like, what prenatal checks? And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, the prenatal checks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, you know, didn't my boss tell you? Was like, and she said, uh, no. It's like, oh, okay, well, um, I'm pregnant. And they were like, what? Oh, ah, right. We'll need to get back to you on that detail. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, yeah. so then how did you end up picking up a paintbrush and deciding to paint? So kind of walk us through that. Yeah, so um, in the midst of this whole you know process of looking for a new job when I was pregnant, um, I... I started thinking, you know, to myself, like, oh, maybe, maybe this is something, like, this means something, like, this is, like, you know, the God telling me there is something else, you know, to life and I should consider, since I've always wanted to do something different. Um, then I started having this dream. It, it literally was, like, this dream, this image. Um, I'd wake up with this image, like, really strong image in my head. Um, it's, it's red, fiery sunset. Um, it's it's a very particular shade of red with a slight tinge of yellow and red poppies. I don't know why poppies. I've like you know I've never been in the poppies before that. So um, I remember then calling my best friend in Australia. She's in Sydney and said, "Hey, you know what? I, I keep having this dream. I don't know what to do with it, but it's it's really annoying. It, I I keep waking up with this image. What should I do with? What does it mean?" And she is an architect um, with an artistic background. So she said, why don't you go paint it? And I'm like, what, paint? <laughs> I, the, last, the last time I picked up a paintbrush was, you know, at high school. I, I don't even know if I know how to paint anymore. She goes, yeah, well, just try since it's, you know, disturbed, like really bothering you. I said, oh, okay, I wouldn't even know how to paint um, with what well, on canvas. I've never painted on canvas. I've never painted with oil paint or acrylic so I um, decided hey yeah why not okay that's a good point so I um, looked for a um, art cafe there's quite a few uh, of like cafes in Singapore where you can go and sort of pay for uh, like you pay a flat fee for two to three hours and you can you, you're you can sit there and they give you all the materials and you just paint like do some art jamming basically mm -hmm. so, so that's where I ended up and I, I remember asking them how do I how do I paint <laughs> with acrylic? Like, what do I do? And then they said, oh, you know, just like take some paint and put it on the on the canvas. And that was how it started, really. Wow, from the very basics. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Okay, so you've obviously developed a style since then. <laughs> and so I love your work because it's very, very whimsical and playful. And I love that it came kind of out of a dream. That's pretty, pretty incredible. So how did you develop your style over the years? The, the, actually, when I when people see my art, they go, "Huh, 
that's something different. Like, what is, how do you, how would you categorize that? And I go, I don't know. I've been looking for categories in the internet or something similar, and I, I have not seen it. So um, how, how do I even, um, I'll, I guess I'll go back to how I got started with the children's painting. From that, from the puppies, I, I, I basically I painted a, a series of the puppies, and then I, I got into my nesting mode. I started thinking about, you know, um, our own baby's um, nursery. So, so I started looking around for nice pieces of art in Singapore, and I couldn't really find any. I went on Etsy, couldn't find anything that I really liked um, that was bright vibrant and colorful and happy because that's what I believe a child's room should be. Um, it, it should sort of have these happy and uh, happy emotions and it should be just really, uh, I guess, cheerful. Sure. So, so then I thought, okay, well, um, I'll have a go at painting it myself. And I started researching. Um, I started looking at Disney um, characters and looking out for similarities in them and I, I googled around about um, on I've just tried to research on children or cartoon characters and features because I was never really good at those um, at drawing cartoon or anything like that and I realized um, one common theme was um, round features so apparently rounded features um, are to to human beings especially children um, are really appealing because it apparently it's something about uh, our instinctive nature and it tells us that you know this this thing or person this animal is friendly and not harmful whereas anything with sharp features is angry, negative, um, aggressive. So, so in in cartoon in the cartoon world, if you have like a really angry dog, you'd see the features be all really triangular. Where a very happy like Mickey Mouse is all rounded ears, rounded face, rounded um, eyes. So that was how I, I guess that's the uh, ground, the, the basic one of the basics of my art, which um, is is blowing my mind by the way, because I didn't even realize. <laughs> any of that and now that you say that it it makes complete sense <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know that either until I, I started researching I was like oh wow that's really interesting then then the other thing I thought about was you know what's important to a child Ch children don't really need to look at uh, they don't really need to know what's realistic like you know they don't look they don't care about shadows they don't care about um, shading so much but what they care about is some you know things that are important to them like a happy face or a, a train or you know um, an aeroplane or you know whatever like to the child so so I, I thought about that as well and um, so strong colors happy colors positive colors round features and um, things that are in, like details that are important to a child. Um, that that's probably the three things that really underpin my kind of art. Yeah, and I love it. I, it Maybe whimsical isn't the right word, but it it is very visually pleasing to me. And I'm not a child, but but, oh, but it's still very um, fun. You know, I kind of want to like live in your pictures. So um, <laughs> because it seems way more fun than the real world. So um, when yeah. it comes to kind of the business of making art. I am curious how you transitioned from, you know, the poppies, let's just say, and then doing all of the research to somebody who's actually making a living at this. So, you know, I'm curious, did you kind of land commissions right away? Was it a slower process? What did that trajectory look like? 
Yeah, um, I, I, I guess I consider myself to be pretty lucky. Um, after I went, after I started painting and after I've had Mark, our first child, I actually went back to work for a little while because um, Credit Suisse, uh, surprisingly, actually called me and said, hey, do you want to come back? Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really thought hard about that one. I'm like, do I want to go back? All right, then. Um, so I went back, um, back in 2013. Um, but just before I was due to start work, I had the worst pain in the world. I, I had, I was in so much pain that I would have tears running out my eyes, like coming down my eyes when I was sitting down, and I had no idea what that was about. So I went and see the doctor a day, the day before I was due to start work, and the doctor said you have slip, sciatica, slip disc, and you need to be on bed rest for like at least two weeks. And I was like, oh, what? No. are you kidding me? I'm, I'm due to start work tomorrow. It's like, no, no, there's no way you can go to work. So, so yeah, so that was a long, um, so anyway, I got, I got, I recovered from that after about a month. I went back to work, joined um, Curtis Reese again, did it for about close to six months. And then I knew something was wrong with my body, so I actually quit. And the day after I quit, I had that pain all over again, and that was a really, really bad pain. So um, I actually uh, and and I uh, went to see about six, seven specialists, including three in Switzerland, um, and they all recommended spinal surgery. Oh my um, yeah, but I refused. I said, no, I'm not. there's no way I want to do spinal surgery right now, especially because I knew I wanted to have um, our second baby quite soon. We wanted to start trying again, and that was, for some reason at that time, like a lot more important than spinal surgery. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, to cut a long story short, I actually um, found a way to uh, get recover from that. I went to a small clinic in Germany and, and did a lot of intensive physio, and I, I got better. But that meant that I could. I knew I had to change my lifestyle. I could not go back to a nine to five job. It was a nine to five, nine to eleven, um, right, and and, right. and uh, that you know just being bound to the desk. I knew I couldn't do that anymore. At the same time, um, really, these really close friends of mine knew what was going on, and they said, "Hey, you know what? Why don't we commission you? Um, and you're gonna do this properly. Like, you know, why don't you have a go at this?" Um, artist career thing um, properly and, and, and will be your first commission. Oh, and wow. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh my God, are you, are you serious? And it was for their son. Um, he's, he was, they were expecting a, a baby girl very soon and, and Harris just um, has to move out of his old room into his new room. So, you know, this painting was going to be like the present um, for his new room. So it was like a really huge thing, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's a real tr huge honor." So yeah, that was how it all started. And when I remember when I first started, I thought, "Oh, okay, commissions. This is this is kind of fun. Like it's almost like consulting work. I get to understand the client's needs, and I then work on it, which is what I really like. I'm really goal oriented in that sense. But very soon, I realized, like very soon, I, I mean. Like it took me three months to finish the painting, <laughs> so wow. I, I joke like I'm the slowest painter in the world. Um, I realized like you know the accountant part of me started saying, uh, "Excuse me, this is not going to make you any money." I realized this is why a lot of artists in the like in the old world like struggle, like you know the whole starving artist thing, and and artists are meant to be poor and all that. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. Um, this is not sustainable. I need to find a way to make it a sustainable business and that was the accountant part of me and I started thinking about how to 
create a business that does not need a lot of capital up front, you know, something that I can go on and, and I can actually use, how can I utilize what I'm already doing and make it into a business? And I thought, hmm, uh, I guess I could do prints. Um, but I didn't want it just to be normal prints. I, one thing that I struggled when I was looking for our babies, uh, or looking to, uh, when we were looking to decorate our baby's room was um, person, some, something that's personalized but yet authentic and it's just really nice and not like, you know, um, really the mass produced stuff. I thought, no, okay, so I'll, I'll make, I'll create prints, but I, I'll, I want them to be personalized and I want them to be as authentic as a print can get, i.e. they need to still have the 3D effect or like these feeling of textures in the prints. So I started looking into that and I picked up, I, I learned Photoshop, learned how to Photoshop from YouTubing. Sure. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was how it all got started. I, I uh, yeah, just um, got, went from my art I went through all the artwork that I did for Mark's room and um, worked from there and, and started, it just kind of built um, the prints business from that, really. Okay, so do you still do commissions every once in a while or are you mostly just prints? No, I actually still do both. Um, I, because I'm so slow, I tell people I, I, I need at least three months, but these days I'm taking six months to complete a painting just because they just get more and more detailed. It's, it's, I'm slow because I'm really detailed. Um, so I take about four to five, five at the maximum commissions a year. Um, so I do that on the side and then I run the prints business as well. So I, I do attend local fairs and, and pop-ups um, uh, for the prints uh, side of the business. Okay. So when you get commissions, I mean, do you have like a favorite type of commission that you do? I know they're mostly for children, but I mean, do you have any that are really interesting or quirky or anything like that? Um, I don't have any favorites. I, I'm not a, like, I'm a person who doesn't have any favorites, but I, I'm not very good at doing the same thing twice. Mm. So luckily I've not had um, requests for commissions, like the, the same commission um, twice. And my commissions uh, can get really bizarre. Like, okay, um, one commission that I'm working on is um, the dad has three sons and he wants, so this is this is literally the commission brief. He texted me and said, hey, you know, I'd like to commission for my sons. Um, sausage, meatball, and lamb chop. That's hilarious. <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> what do you want me to do with that? I said, oh, can you turn them into pillow covers? I'm like, pillow covers? Like a lamb chop on a pillow cover? What should I do with that? It's like, you know, can I, like, do you want a theme or what do you want? It's like, oh, anything, like up to your imagination. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Wow. Um, so I'm working on superheroes. So it's like, you know, a meatball, uh, incredible meatball, uh, Captain Sausage, which is Captain America. And I'm like, yeah, so, so, but that took me a while. Um, Another one I had is um, another uh, another commission that I have to work on is the brief is dinosaurs, pig astronaut, and airplanes. <laughs> That's amazing. And I love <laughs> yeah. it's so inventive. Like you just are coming up with these things. And I just love that you get to have that in your career after being an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it's so cool. So did you ever have any doubts that this is what you were meant to be doing you know when you were making this change did you kind of did you have any outside resistance anybody question you or anything like that oh my god big time um first of all my family they just went silent like nobody said anything 
like they didn't say anything negative, which is good, but they didn't say anything positive either. No, no one said, yeah, go for it. The only person that was cheering for me was my husband, bless him. Everyone else just looked at me and said, what? You went to university, you, you worked all, like, you know, you did all this and you couldn't be an artist. That was the first reaction that I got. Like friends, um, I have, I still keep in touch with a lot of school friends and it, they, 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 they had the same reaction. Um, then when I started, um, I got talking to other artists and I felt like, you know, I guess even though they say they don't mean that, but they do look at me like, you know, you're a children artist. You're not like a proper artist. <laughs> you paint for children. <laughs> right. You know? Or, or they'll try and say, oh, you're an illustrator. I'm like, well, I'm not. I, what is an illustrator anyway? But anyway. Um, and then I talk to galleries and galleries like tell me, do not ever do prints. You know, so yeah, so I had a lot of resistance um, in what I was trying to do. And it took me a long time to get over that. When you kind of hit those bits of resistance, how did you, how did you move, you know, finally move past all of that? First of all, by um, watching a lot of uh, motivational videos on YouTube, listening to a lot of podcasts like your podcasts, <laughs> that really helps. Um, I, I was really following Marie Folio right at the beginning. Oh, I think she's, yeah, she's, she has really, really helped me build my confidence. Um, I've also, uh, I've had mentoring and from Melissa Camilleri. Oh, she's sure. Just, yeah, she's, she's amazing. She is. She is. She's helped me to look, you know, think out of the box. Um, and I, I guess just by, um, and I picked up meditation, um, about, a couple of years ago. So I think meditation along the way has really helped me as well to just kind of be true to myself and just go with, listen to my gut and do what is right. Just ignore the noise. Um, and the more I plugged on at it, um, and, I, and yeah, at the same time I was, um, starting on Instagram and I think Instagram has really helped me build my confidence and, and find my way to tell my story and, and build a business. And I've, been very lucky to have very very good supporters and followers who have been very encouraging so that has really helped me as well with my self-confidence right and I love some of those kind of tips you know what I mean um because I think we've all been there you know we've all maybe done something where people looked at us and went oh my gosh what why are you doing that and so I love that you kind of looked for those sorts of resources you know it's really important to kind of find whatever works for you, like you said, whether it's meditation or, or talking to other people. And so do you have any advice for people listening who might be kind of considering a major career shift or maybe they just feel stuck in whatever they're doing right now? I guess, first of all, is if you're feeling stuck or unhappy, I think it's really important to identify why you're unhappy, like really really why sometimes it's it's to do most of the time it's to do a certain fear um fear of losing the job or not having job security or because you actually really want to do something else but if you really want to do something else why aren't you doing it um so i think really kind of try to reflect on why you're unhappy and and then when when you have an inkling or a hint of why um just ask yourself or, or just 
like go on that. Uh, for me, I've always wanted to run a restaurant. Like I, it always been my dream. Like my biggest dream in the world was to run my own cafe or restaurant. And I, I, kept, I constantly talked about that when I was at KPMG. Um, and every time I was unhappy, I would talk about that. So by the end of like after nine and a half years of being un- supposedly unhappy in my job, I decided, right, that's it. Like, you know, I'll just go and do it because what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, you know, just try it out. If it doesn't work out, then go and do something else. And yeah, that's what I'll say to people actually. Like, you know, ask yourself why um, and then go and do it uh, or what, and say, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, okay, before you do that, make sure you have some savings because you're going to be, you know, not on a salary. <laughs> so having some bit of savings help. Um, and then just go do it. And if it doesn't work out, there's always something else and go do something else. And when you do something that you want to do, you start finding out that doors starting start to open. And just because you're on this one route doesn't mean you're going to be on that route forever as well. I think that's something that's really important to realize as well. Yeah, well, I definitely agree with you there. Because I feel like I've tried, I've thrown so many things at the wall to see what would stick, you know, and it sounds like you sort of have too. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but lately I have been having this feeling like all of a sudden everything I've done in the past feels like it's all coming together and making sense. <laughs> and I didn't always feel that way, but I, but I'd feel that way now. And so I don't know, have you ever felt like that? Like all of these, like your different contacts are kind of coming together or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean... I actually like caught myself thinking about this yesterday uh, as I was painting and I go, you know, all those hard years of like the exams, I I didn't want to be an accountant. I never wanted to be an accountant. I just did it because it meant I could stay in London and not have to go home and stay with my parents. (laughs) That was I just wanted to stay in London. So, and I hated it. I I didn't like, you know, doing accounting. It was just miserable. Um, But I now realize that, you know, it's a good thing that I did that because I now understand finances and I know how to do my own, um, run my own business and at least know how to set up a business and think about cost and all that sort of thing. So that that really helps. And all the experiences are then I found myself reflecting back to um, the difficult times in my past careers and how I got the different advisors from different mentors in my life. And then, you know, it all just starts to come together. Um, and like you say, contacts as well. I, I've, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm reaching out to all my past contacts. And, and it's just, yeah, it, it just really starts to make sense. Like, you know, life is a journey and um, everything will make sense everything you go through, uh, you go through everything for a reason. And I always believe that there's always a reason for something happening. And if you just, you know, choose to see the positive side to the experience, you'll definitely get a lot out of that um, experience. And that's, that's definitely what I've sort of, I've been feeling lately. So I love that. It's great advice. Let's talk about where people can find your work because I want people to be able to find it and see it because it's beautiful. Where online is the best place for people to find more about your paintings? The best place is probably Instagram right now. I I am very, very much on Instagram. So they can find me um, uh, uh, as Milk by Michelle on Instagram. 
Um, or I have a personal account, with, which is Michelle Leo. That's where I share a lot of my personal side of life as well. Um, but my works are pretty much on Milk by Michelle Instagram. I'm on Snapchat as well, where I share a lot more behind the scenes. And I'm trying really hard to share more on, like, you know, my techniques and, and, and get, keep updating people on my on the progress on my paintings because a lot of people tell me they like to see that. So Snapchat um, sh- um, will we'll show people that as well if you're interested to see how I do it, my process. Um, what else? Where else am I on? I'm on um, Twitter, um, Facebook, uh, Milk by Michelle, and my website, um, www.milkmilcbymichelle.com. Okay. Well, I'll be sure to link up to all of that in the show notes. So, Michelle, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you talking with me. Oh, well, thank you, Jennifer. I had a really great time. Thanks for your time, too. That was Michelle. As she mentioned, you can find her work at milkbymichelle.com. That's M-I-L-C-B-Y-M-I-S-H-E-L-L.com. And if you're looking to find out more about anything we mentioned in today's episode, you will find all of the show notes linked up over at creatingyourownpath.com. Just look for Michelle's episode. And don't forget, if you love creating your own path, the best way to support the show is by heading over to iTunes, rating the show, and leaving a review. You can also, of course, share your favorite episodes on social media or tell a friend about the show. As always, you guys, thank you for listening, and I will catch you next week.